You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Um. Okay. Welcome back to Talking Nicks. We've had a, a bad week of Knicks basketball, but a good week of basketball in general. It's March Madness, but the Knicks were less fun. I'm here with my good friend Tom, my regular friend BBD, and my brother Ken. Hey guys, let's talk Knicks. All right, before we get into it, How's everybody doing? BBD, how are you? Greg, thanks for asking. Uh, I'm doing all right. You know, we're a little weekend project. Uh, a lot of March Madness watching, as well as the Knicks. Um, not the results we wanted this week from the Knicks or, or my bracket, frankly. But actually, actually, it's not doing that bad. It's not that you, bad. Who do you have winning? Uh, Gonzaga, because I'm unoriginal. That's fine. I mean, if they win, then it's like a, yeah, okay, that's like a really it, right? smart pick. But I also had uh, Oklahoma State uh, facing them in the in the championship game because they're the two teams that I knew multiple players on the team. So that's that was the logic there. I mean, that's and that, that one didn't work out as well. But the other three Final Four teams are all alive. So everybody has their own logic when they're when they're doing their their picks. Yeah, you know how it goes. I'd say my logic is just to press random and randomly pick, and then don't go back and look at it. Don't second guess yourself because it doesn't matter. No one knows what's mm. going to happen. That's my that's my philosophy. And I'm not good. doing well, if you're wondering. It's good life hmm. philosophy. So I'll, I'll say on, I was picking on my iPad, and like it got to the point where like I couldn't click the Final Four because it's off the screen. So I just clicked like random after that. It's like I guess <laughs> computer can That's pick my champion all you can for me. For. Yeah. Finish the job for you. But I I did go back and fixed it on a regular computer. I shouldn't have for the sake of this story, but I did. Well, I'll I pretend it. we didn't. You didn't say that. We will edit oh. that out. Wait, wait. I'll, I'll no, just that edit. won't happen. But I'll, I'll <laughs> edit it out. I'll edit it out right now. Not. Um, that's a really that's a clean edit so i i had illinois winning and i i don't like their odds anymore (laughs) Uh, but i think i had them playing against creighton and my reasoning with creighton was that i had just seen creighton play three times and win beat yukon three times and i was like "Eh, i'm convinced they got the most i've seen them win the most games out of anybody Good reason. Sounds oh, like the Oklahoma State logic. logic a little bit. And I, I didn't see the, the the OK State elimination game, BBD, but how did our boy Cade play? Uh, so I didn't watch that game either because uh, I think we were both watching the Nick game that was pretty much directly overlapping it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't even realize till this morning that, that it <laughs> happened. I, th- 
I, you could have fooled me. We're not a March coming. Madness pod, is what I'm gathering. Yeah, it's not what it's not what we gathered here for. Uh, my understanding is he he played kind of well, and he like, but he, but he kind of looks to facilitate and all that, and so yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the box score dictates. But. I wish that we saw March Madness last year, not only because that would have meant no pandemic. It, it also would have meant we could have seen Obi Toppin potentially play. In Why would you want tournament. to see that? I don't know. Then we could have emotionally prepared for what what we were going to see this year. I don't know. I, I didn't see a lot of Obi Toppin during the regular season. I think when the spotlight was brightest during March Madness, potentially it would have been a, a good showcase for him one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I well, we, I think it would I have been the other. The mm-hmm. other? The other? <laughs> Well, I mean, regardless of that, knowing what we know about uh, just the Knicks front office historically, they'd have taken him. He, no matter what, it could be the worst performance ever. They, he was the guy. Yeah, that's that's something. And I have to tell myself that, otherwise, otherwise uh, I'm starting to really dislike the whole pandemic. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're starting to turn. I thought it was going to be a hit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Tom. How are you doing? Pretty over cool there, Tom? up until now. But. My weekend was fine. Not not a whole lot to report. My wife was home. That was good. We climbed. Well, that's a good change of pace. Yeah, it was good. Um, I saw some some friends. Kenny and Greg, you know them. It was just Jim and Suzanne Widman went to their to their home. Um, hadn't seen them in months, and uh, yeah, did a little catching up. So that was nice. But beyond that. I'm sure they're listening to this right now, so shout out to the Widmans. Yeah, and if you're um, if you're a regular listener to the pod, um, the last time we tried to hang out with the Widmans was when me and Tom arranged to go on a hike with them, and Jim told us he had to do it early, so we went to be there for like 8 o'clock in the morning, and then we got there, and Jim's like, our car didn't start, so we're not going to make it, and it was like 45 minutes away from both me and Tom, so that's that's who we're talking about. That and if didn't listen- come up. Actually. And if you're listening, Jim, I remember. <laughs> and how are you, Kenny? Yeah. How am I doing? I'm yeah. I'm doing I'm doing all right. I also I had a nice weekend. Uh I went and hung out with um my brother Greg and my other brother Rob and my sister Mandy and basically our family for a, for a baptism. Went to a baptism. It was uh the highlight of my year. Because I don't normally see people anymore, but I got to see some people, and it was fun. It was fun. My uh, my sister's youngest child is uh, just like the chillest baby ever. He's just like chilling during the baptism, whereas his older siblings, um, I was the godfather for one of them, and he put up a fight. Wasn't having it. Greg, you yeah, went we to were- that baptism as well, right? How was it? Yeah, I'm I'm big on the baptism circuit. I, I try to hit one every weekend or so. It was it was a good one. It, I got put on camera duty for my sister, and so I was like, it's like, damn, this is like the actual. This is like the one phone where there has to be okay pictures. Mm. And every other phone, no one's ever gonna look at their pictures again. But you felt actual pressure to to perform as a photographer, turn in yeah. some good ones. She got a lot of the same picture. I will say. Yeah, but that's it. That's it. That's how we are. I guess we can uh-huh. transition to the Knicks now. 
Well, before that, I th- I, if you want, I probably in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have a baptism just in case. So if you can come take pictures there, too. Well, I'll, I'll Go a long there. way. With the man upstairs, maybe. We'll do it. We'll do a baptism followed by a, a, a bris. And um, let's talk Knicks. <laughs> Speaking of bris, let's talk Knicks. Um, okay. So the Knicks went one and two this week. We all had our predictions. I think we all said two and one. We all thought they were going to steal one of the, the 76ers games while Joel Embiid was out. Um, and they came very close to beating the Sixers twice, but instead they lost to them twice. And they eked out a win against the the powerhouse Orlando Magic, uh, NBA Finals participants in 2009. Um, fine squad. So what we saw this week, Emmanuel quickly continued to start against Against the Sixers in that first game, we had that that second unit. Knicks were were down a few men as Derrick Rose, Alfred Payton, Austin Rivers all continued to be out. Mitch Robinson finally returned in the second Sixers game. I don't know. There's a lot going on this week. Not a lot of great stuff. But Tom, I'm just gonna throw it to you. What did you What did you see? What do you want to talk about? I feel like I'm I'm a little bit of a broken record, but every week I want to talk about R.J. Barrett and his development. Um, I remember earlier in the season, R.J. just really struggled with Ben Simmons as his primary defender, and um, I mean just the, the Sixers' defense in general, their their length. But I'd say in in both games against the Sixers this past week, R.J. came to play. He was he was prepared. He was ready for for what the Sixers were throwing at him. And he's just looked so much better, so much more confident going to the basket and just he's picking his spots. He's actually converting instead of just kind of taking wild, wild lips. It's been a little bit of an up and down year for RJ, particularly at the beginning when he struggled. But I mean, I I think that overall you have to be thrilled with what we've seen from him. And uh, it's not just on the offensive end, even though that has been super impressive, but defensively too, he's, he seems to be locked in. And I just, I really like what I'm seeing on both ends of the floor from RJ. Are you guys as, as hyped about him as I am? Yeah, Tom, and I'm, I'm surprised you didn't get into his uh, transition play because I feel like the last few games he's really been, you know, trying to get out in transition. And even, even in the half court, he's really been attacking the rim more than, uh, than I've seen him historically. And I know you've been saying all season that that's what you want to see from him. So exciting, exciting development. Yeah. And I think that like a point guard, I mean, just considering Derek Rose has been out for so long, he's kind of the guy who you look to, to, to push the pace a little bit. Um, Alfred Payton being out also helps to kind of move the needle towards a, a quicker pace, just because Payton really seems to to favor kind of walking the ball up and playing in those half court sets. But Rose just really pushes the pace um, it's been kind of a strange point guard situation for the Knicks this past week with those two guys out. You've had, you know, Greg mentioned quickly getting a start or two. We we had one game where Burks and Frank were kind of sharing starting point guard duties. Um, it's just there has not been a lot of stability at that position, uh, considering Derrick Rose is uh, we're, we're presuming or, or we has been it's been confirmed that he had COVID. Um, mm-hmm. So his recovery on that front, and then Alfred Payton with his injury. So. I don't know that it's just when you look at RJ, he does play that role of primary ball handler sometimes. And I think he does it fairly well, but I think he has, he still has a long way to go as far as distributing the ball. 
he found that balance pretty well down the stretch of a couple because like these last few games have, have all kind of come down to crunch time and I I think that RJ has done a good job of balancing his his shot creating with his playmaking in crunch time in particular yeah and, uh, like Kenny mentioned in transition he had a uh, one of that first Sixers games where he just went one on four and just went to the hoop in transition, and then in the second Sixers game, I think Alex Burk, Alec Burks had a nice outlet to him. And he scored again. It was all for naught. All sad stuff. BBD, your turn. Put you on the spot. What do you want to talk about? What did you see? Well, I also liked everything I saw from RJ. It feels like he's taking a big step. And the other guy... I mean, again, he's he's the best player on our team, Julius Randle. Just good performances. Probably, I guess statistically, not his biggest scoring out outputs, especially especially the second Sixers game. Statistically, it doesn't look like one of his best games, but like hit a bunch of big shots down the stretch, made a bunch of big plays, had the weird foul call at the end. That Magic game, putting it putting in uh, seventeen assists, was pretty nuts. So just Julius Randle still just is the man. And yeah. it's, seventeen assists is crazy. It's like, a crazy it, number for for any player. But if you'd have told us last year that he would have put up a seventeen assist two turnover game, like that is so beyond ridiculous. Oh, I, had two tur- I, I didn't even I, realize he only had two turnovers that game. I wouldn't even have a comparison like for like a statistic next year that would be as crazy. You know, like comparing last year to this year. That's just. It's just so absurd. Um, Obi I mean, Toppin, 10 points. I was going to go there. Yeah, Sorry. No, we, didn't even, we didn't even mention that. Um, well, BBD mentioned that he hit a, a bunch of big shots in that second 76ers game, but he, he hit the game-tying shot at the very end of the game, which uh, sent, sent it into to overtime. OT. And then he hit the game-winning shot. Very close, rolled around the rim and out. Uh, that would have been that would have been big, but uh, he did have a, a good all around week. So I'm not going to fault him. Well, you're you're also forgetting or, or we're neglecting to mention that he had the game losing foul. We're not. Yeah, but we, that, I'm kidding. It was yeah. uh, that was such a terrible call. I think we should all yeah. still be out. It's it's been 24 hours since that game ended. And I'm still just so pissed off about that. But, I mean, I, I know that the, the, the two-minute report came out, and Kenny, to your point, the, the league will always side with the officials. And maybe if you're looking at the letter of the law, maybe that is the right call that, that Randall uh, kind of pushed off a little bit. But um, when you look at the way that game was being officiated and just the context of the play... You don't you don't blow the whistle no. and decide the game on, on something so trivial. Like it was it was a relatively light shove, the likes of which Greg, I know you mentioned this in the chat. Like you you could call that play every single time down the court, and to call it at this time to decide the game, it was just unconscionable. It just it, I would say it's because the refs wanted to go home, but if they didn't call that, the game would have been over in the other direction. It just it didn't make any <laughs> sense. At that time, given the context of the, of the game, to, to call that foul. If, if I'm, we, I'm not. If we want to give any leeway to the refs, there were only two of them last night. I don't really want to give any leeway to the refs because 
Like like you mentioned, that's a call that could happen on every play of every game, and they never make it. So making it there, understandably, could crazy. be yeah, it's crazy, and it it could be considered a foul under the rules, but is not called regularly. So like I get that they're gonna say it was a foul, but that doesn't mean it gets called in the normal course of playing a game. Yeah, by like by the literal like b- rule book, sure, foul, but I mean no, n- no, because that doesn't <laughs> get called. Like I'm not one that that calls out like soft calls by refs, but he didn't even. It's not like he pushed particularly hard. He didn't even have like if I'm if I'm remembering right, he didn't even have like an open hand on his back or something. Like it was just like his forearm, and he pushed forward a little bit. If anything, he pushed him towards the ball, and it like helped so like just you can't call that and then to make everything worse the knicks up one at this point with tobias about to go to line for two call timeout with the intent to challenge seemingly uh, announcers think they're challenging everybody at home thinks they're challenging everyone come assumed to, they were challenging come to find out we come out obvious Come to find out, we come out of the timeout, and and the officials didn't review it. And so Tom Thibodeau's mad, Randall's <laughs> mad, yelling at him like we challenged that. Tom Thibodeau said, "I challenged that." And the refs were like, "Nope," and they just didn't review it. I mean, so don't don't think it would have gotten overturned, but still, it was our it was our last timeout. Yeah, and that's the point that I've seen a lot of people make: is it was our last timeout. Tobias Harris was going to the free throw line to put them up one potentially that with five seconds to go, that timeout could have been used to advance the ball, draw up an offensive play, take a shot. So there was very little doubt in anyone's mind that the reason they called that timeout was to have it looked at, to have that play looked at. And the refs just decided not to. And uh, I'm not a, I'm not a John boy type lip reader, but I could read um, Julius Randall saying he saw, like he was talking to the refs. He's like, I saw you looking. Like he saw them looking at the play and he wasn't sure what was going on for fun. Yeah, yeah. You you could read like Tibbs' lips. He's very eccentric. Like, well, also because Tibbs doesn't wear the mask, but that's a different issue. Uh, like he was like, of course I challenged it. I challenged the call. Is like someone? I don't think it was going to get overturned on a challenge because by like rule it is the correct call, but like there was no. Like, we wouldn't have gotten the timeout back, right? Even if he challenged it and it was yeah. unsuccessful. Yeah. For se- when, when it, in the moment, I thought that was the thing, and I was wrong. But even then, it's like, well, why would we have used the timeout if not to challenge it? Uh, and that really was the most egregious part of the whole thing. It's like, yeah. why would we have called the timeout if not to to throw the Hail Mary on we're we want that foul overturned. Yeah, and I feel like the foul kind of overshadowed the rest of the game, which was actually a like a I wouldn't say necessarily a fun game. It was kind of a grinded out defensive battle, but there were definitely a lot of fun moments. Um, it, it was kind of a bummer we got a little bit David Nwabud by Shake Milton, who finished the game with twenty one points, nine of fifteen shooting, but he was hitting a bunch of like mid range step backs and fadeaways that just. I don't – BBD, I think you said one of your buddies is a Sixer fan who said that's not really his game. Um, he was hitting some yeah. buzzer – some like shot clock buzzer beating shots that 
um, you know, nine times out of ten do not go in, but they happen to be dropping last night. That was a bummer. Dwight Howard hit a three. That or no, they called it a two. I'm sorry, his yep. foot was on the line. Even so, that was a pretty un you know unreasonable thing to happen. And then Danny Green hit some threes. I, I think he was pretty much terrible all game offensively yeah. until the fourth quarter in overtime when he hit one three that was like a step back, hand in his face, uh, just really difficult shot over R.J. Barrett that I would imagine he shoots an incredibly low percentage on. <laughs> and, yeah, things were kind of just going the Sixers' way a little bit, and it was it was definitely a bummer for the Knicks who, who yeah, the, needed one, you know, to, to go back to uh, 500. Yeah, those, those first, like, let's call it the first, like, 40, four minutes of the game Danny Green really couldn't buy a shot and he hits he hits that one the one shot that RJ was a little late getting over to him and then I think it was the next possession RJ defended it well and and smothered him that's the shot you were talking about that that just like all right well did everything you could there the other hit that shit kind of the other thing uh I, I have two other points from that game and one is, how did you guys feel about that Julius Randle technical foul where the other player was assessed a flagrant foul for going after, like, his legs, and then I think he, after coming out of the scrum, he, like, slapped Ben Simmons' hand or something, and they gave him a technical and the other guy a flagrant. Oh, yeah. That was weak. I mean, yeah, the fact that they reviewed that play, they saw that uh, the Tony Bradley, Tony right, Bradley, their, their backup yeah. center, he fell and grabbed Julius Randle's leg and pulled him down, and, and it was, you know, I don't want to say it was a it was a dirty play, or I won't say he's a dirty player, but that was a dirty play, and like our, it, it Julius Randle like had is a every reason to be upset. Him, yeah, I think our the I am often on the side of Julius Randle when he gets angry. Uh, I don't know if that's a bias or if I just agree with his general thinking. So he had every I, reason to be upset. Yeah. yeah. I think I think they have to give him some leeway on that where a guy like goes after his legs and takes him down and he like gets up upset like you got to give him some leeway on that but instead they gave him a technical foul and that one point could have been useful. In a game that yeah, went into overtime, yeah, I think I think that's fair to say. Yeah, the Knicks lost by one in overtime, so I'd like the point back. Agreed. At this point. And the other thing uh, I was going to mention from that game is what the other thing that got lost was the Alec Burks takeover to start overtime where he just oh, yeah. he just went after it. He was getting buckets left and right, and then Danny Green just kind of erased it. So uh, Alec Burks heating up. Hopefully uh, he continues that hot streak on to, to the future games. Because I think there was another game this week where he was the leading scorer. We had I think 21. That yeah. was the Orlando game. Yeah. Got into the starting lineup that game instead of Reggie, which I don't know. Did they ever give us a reason why they made that switch? Just checking it out? Um, I don't know that I saw a reason. I might imagine it being... Uh, Frank because, had to start. Yeah. Because of... Yeah. That. Yeah, but the th I guess my question for that would be, so Frank has to start, so you want more you know, offensive creation in that starting unit, but that's why you have RJ Barrett and Julius Randle. Like that second yeah. unit is actually where you would need Alec Burks' creation and 
kind of you know on ball proficiency it, that move didn't really make any sense to me you put reggie bullock on that second unit and there's just straight up no one who can penetrate a defense who can even dribble like it, that just didn't make a lot of sense i understand frank needs he needs some help as the point guard he he really doesn't have the the ability to do that by himself at this point but that's exactly why you've got these other ball dominant guys in barrett and randall so that was that was very strange for me and the other thing, I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, Tibbs did um, shorten up the rotation. Uh, it looks like there were eight guys playing in all of these games, and Obi Toppin had very limited minutes. And, you know, Frank was under 20. And Mitchell, Mitch Robinson's comeback, he was he was limited in minutes. So, like, the, the rotation's been pretty much shortened to seven guys and then a couple guys playing, you know, sparingly. Well, and Mitch turned that ankle. Do, do we ever get an update? Did he come back after that? Or I, I, I'm I forgetting how that turned out. I don't out. think he ever came back after that. I mean, that's pretty correctable if someone has that. Cause, but, he, but it was like with, I think it was with like four and a half minutes ago in the fourth anyway. So I, I think Noel was going to come in and not, and he wouldn't have come in anyway. Just natural rotation stuff. Um, Yeah, I don't, I don't recall seeing an update on, on that. And I, I want to pass it back to our host, Greg. Is there anyone that you want to talk about or call out specifically? Is there anything you, uh, any topics we haven't touched on that you want to jump in on? I'll jump in and I'll say I think Reggie Bullock has been been doing a good job recently. I know we didn't we didn't talk about it yet, but he won us the Magic game after almost losing us the Magic game. So he, he turned it over. Um, we had a one point lead. He turned it over in uh you know, when it's it's just time to catch the ball and get fouled. He uh he didn't do that. Instead he he comes up with a big uh big steal on the other end, Nick's dribble it out and we win by one. Nick's throw a party. So that's good. But overall he's he's been he's been hitting his shots, he's been hitting threes. He had twelve points in that first Sixers game, he dropped twenty on the magic. Kinda of, kind of a did he lead us in scoring before I before I say Burks, that he led us? Burks scored twenty one. Bullock scored twenty. So he was second on scoring, but he was good. He's been good. Um, I like what I'm seeing. I've, I've throughout this season, I've been thinking like someone's got to go at the trade deadline. Rivers, Bullock, Burks—they're all the same person hmm. in some way. Yeah, but it feels like if they can get value for any one of them they probably would yeah yeah but now it's starting to seem like bullock's here to stay yeah i I think we should uh get to the the trade deadline aspect of it pretty soon but i will say i I just had a crazy stat on bullock and then i just wanted to share because i i tweeted this out but after that magic game bullock is shooting 42.5 percent on three-pointers coming off passes from Julius Randle. So he's 45 out of 106 attempts. On all of his other threes, he's shooting 34.5%. So just shooting 30 out of 87. So, that, I mean, that just a, shows a crazy chemistry between Randle and Bullock. And someone in my mentions, they asked me, like, does that mean that you think the Knicks should keep Bullock and even extend him after his contract is up to keep – Julius Randle happy. And I I mean, I, I just think the answer is yes to that. Like, Randle so clearly has 
this confidence in Reggie Bullock's shot. He's consistently like passing up, pass, passing to other people in favor of getting it to Reggie Bullock. He just seems to love Bullock's play. This happens in transition all the time. Um, they just they have a real chemistry between the two of them. And so at this point, I think that that Bullock does need to stay. And I think maybe at the beginning of the season, I would have said differently. Yeah, we're in um, a weird spot where, you know, I don't think anyone was expecting the Knicks to be in, you know, the, the position that we're in right now. I think they're seventh in the East, eighth in the East, um, currently, you know, strongly in the that 10-team playoff field. Um, I agree with you that to the extent we came into this season with those expectations, I thought the plan was to get Re- Reggie Bullock's to minutes, get his value up, and trade him for whatever you can get because he's only uh, on that you know, one year deal left, or he's on a two year deal with one year left. And, um, the whole plan with, with those guys was to have them play for a little while and then either flip them for something or let their deals expire. So we have the cap space to get someone else, but he's played well enough that you have to consider bringing him back. I know right now he's on such a ridiculously low deal because he was injured going into last season, but you know, they have a lot of cap space, and like you said, he's a guy that's playing really well and has, you know, really good chemistry with Julius Randle. He's just the kind of guy that, that does fit on any team, so if he already has the chemistry with the guys, it's pretty easy to talk yourself into the team keeping him and being in favor of it. Yeah, and he is 30 years old, so I don't think he's getting a monster deal after this this year. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Wasn't expecting a monster deal. Just you know, more, more than, than what we gave him. Making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he can make nine million dollars. Oh. I don't yeah. know. I have whatever. Not my um, money. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, who else is even on this team? Should we talk about Obi Toppin? We could. There's no reason to. Don't have anything nice to say. Don't. Don't say it at all. I think that's the best. It's the best way to say it. Uh, well, I mean, I think that if you're going to Wish try and defend him, <laughs> if you're going to defend him, it would be that his role is just completely wrong. He's being used entirely wrong. In that he's really, I mean, he's not being used at all. First of all, not even when he's in the game, it doesn't feel like he has any place in the offense. He's not. You know, he's not the role man in pick and rolls. He's not even really in the dunker's spot, like cutting along the baseline. He's sort of just floating around the perimeter. And I saw someone on Twitter today say how that's just the perfect role for Kevin Knox. And it kind of is. Like, Kevin Knox, his his rookie and second season, we were saying he should be playing that stretch four position and kind of helping the offense, you know, get a little space, create some driving lanes. Right now, Obi Toppin is only playing the four, and he's being used as a stretch four. Like that's Kevin Knox's ideal position, and and Knox actually played. You know, he, he was at least shooting the ball well. There was a point he, in the he season has the when skill set to do that. Yeah, there was a point in the season when he was shooting the best from the corners on like a decent volume of anyone in the league, and yeah, like he doesn't bring much to the table defensively, but neither does Obi Toppin. So I don't know. It, it's it's just. A little disappointing to see. I guess I agree with Thibs that we don't have room in the rotation for both those guys. But just given the way they're playing, it just it seems to me like Kevin Knox would be a smoother fit 
on those second units, helping to create some spacing. He's good at getting out in transition as well. I feel like he kind of moves the ball okay too, especially compared to his, his earlier seasons. So I don't know, guys. Obi I, Obi has been disappointing, no question, but he has not been any, put in any positions to succeed either. Yeah, and I agree with that. I think he's definitely, you know, he's behind Julius Randle, who was our best player at the power forward position. He's certainly not a wing player. Like, they can't, they might have might have tried a couple times this season to put him at, like, the three, and that's just not happening. And I know they've had him at small ball, ball five, and, you know, I don't know if he has the, the skill set for that. So I definitely think that Kevin Knox has a more smooth fit with this team and just... The only thing that Obi Toppin really has going for him over Knox is that he is on the first year of his rookie deal, and Knox is on, I think, the third year of his rookie deal. Because Knox is younger, he's a better shooter, and he just fits better with what the Knicks are putting out there every night. So you don't want to destroy Obi Toppin's confidence by like not giving him minutes, but at the same time, there are plenty of teams out there, like the Milwaukee Bucks, who will send a guy to the G League, let him develop some some uh, minutes there Still and play it. yeah, develop some confidence and then bring him up. And I mean, I'm not even sure how that works this year. I know um, you know the the G League was in a bubble. I don't know that there's as e- it's as easy to get players back and forth. So that might be part of the issue, but it's something that the Knicks have to consider in terms of whether they want, you know, to give Knox a shot to to show if he has anything. I think they- the G League's over. Well, there you go. Take your word for it. I think that's There's, right. Like yeah. with, like they, they, uh, the efficacy of the plays they were running for Obi is, it, it, I don't think, is very high because they weren't plays designed for him to really succeed with his skill set. But they aren't even like running those plays for him anymore. So, the like seven to ten minutes Obi gets a night, it, it really does feel like. He, he's just being asked to run around a little bit and stay in front of guys. It's like, what, a, what are we what, doing? We can, we can have Knox do that. And at least if he happens to accidentally have the ball and he's open, we'll let him shoot it. What do you guys think about having Derek Rose come back and how that might impact it? Cause I know he developed a little bit of a chemistry with Derek Rose and Rose looked like he was actively looking to get top and involved. And then he goes down and again, Obi looks lost on offense, uh, where he was starting to get into a little bit of a more, you know, defendable position on the in the rotation. I, I completely mean, forgot about the Rose Top and connection that, that was happening right when Rose came back over. He's been out that long. Completely forgot about it. I was ready for him to come back just because he had played well. Um, I'm like very excited. Yeah, I mean, I hope just hopefully that's. That's a thing that will happen. But to play devil's advocate to your guys' point that he's not being put in the right positions, we've also seen him, like, drive for a wide-open layup and miss it. So yeah. it's like, oh, this guy's oh, also... He's, yeah, he's earned not being, not having plays, like, run for him anymore. For sure. Yeah. There have been some where it just looked like he had a wide-open lane for a dunk, and he just, you know... he. He was in the dunk contest. Like he's known as a high flyer, and he just kind of went up for a layup, and he may have airballed it. And then there was another one where he was in ISO on the right side, and I think he just kind of like put his back to the basket and just backpedaled towards it without any move or any. uh, It was, 
he may have ended up falling down and turning it over. It there have definitely been some embarrassing ones. Um but uh, and yeah, you can't blame if, it you can't blame it all on utilization, you can't blame it all on scheme or, or Thibodeau. You it's some of it has to come on on top and he's he hasn't been ready in his minutes and uh it's it's been hard to, it has been hard to yeah. watch you feel compelled yeah. to defend him but there's no question that there's been a disconnect for him he's not he doesn't look like the confident player he was in college by any stretch and it's going to take some time to rebuild him back up and i don't think that's what we were really expecting when we drafted the most nba ready prospect in the league yeah and again to maybe give him some benefit of the doubt type situation it it was a weird year and you know, he, he came in after, you know, college basketball stopped and then everything stopped for a while. And so I don't, I mean, I don't know what the offseason preparations were like for him. And then the draft got pushed back and he was had a limited, you know, training camp and all of that. So like everything was against him. But having said that, he still hasn't kind of lived up to expectation. Whereas a guy like Emmanuel quickly was in the same situation and has far exceeded everything uh, we could have expected from him. At some point, you just got to play basketball, right? Like, you, you can't overthink this. You've been playing basketball your whole life. In some cases, you're in your mid-20s. Like, you just got to use that, that experience and, and just, like, fit in. And, um, yeah, Toppin hasn't done it. No question. I, I don't – is it impossible for him to do so Can you guys hear forward? Tom? <laughs> I can't hear Tom at all. I thought it what? was thought it was just me. But the thing is – we're going to be able to hear his, he's recording himself, so we'll be able to hear it. On the the audience heard that perfectly, so it's all good. I got it was really smart. It was. <laughs> it it came through great on my end, so you guys can't hear. Okay, I'll I'll. We be, can hear you now. Uh, I mean, I'll take your word for it that it was really smart. Um, you're gonna want to clip that yeah. part for the social for social channels. <laughs> uh, Lauren, get that part probably. Should we clap uh, right now? No, this is good. You should applaud right. my points. Is what this you makes should it do. natural. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna be yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna be honest with you. I thought I was up a, all your points. I thought I was the one who was frozen, and then I looked over, and BBD was his eyes were moving, and every, and Tom was the only one who was frozen. So I was like, oh, it's not me. Yeah, my eyes will do that. They move. Yeah, I mean, I wish wish I could add on to your point, but I don't know what you were saying. You'll have to listen back to the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. It'll be like I one of the listeners. Some, yeah, so, something about Obi playing basketball whole life, and at some point, like force the issue, man. Like, make them make them use you different. It took a turn. It wasn't even about Obi Toppin anymore. Oh, huge! <laughs> Sounds like it was a good conversation. Though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Started so talking I mean, about the, the undoing. Steer us one back. More th- one more thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the, the trade deadline. Spout. Spatter. I don't know. I don't know what word I'm looking for there. Chatter. Um, Mitchell Robinson is back. That's that's a big gap for us. So he was our, cool. our third best player maybe before he went down injured. Uh, Nerland's Noel did a great job of filling, filling in for him. But now we we have Taj Gibson as our as our backup backup big rather than 
I don't even know. Obi, maybe whoever whoever was doing it then. So it, it helps to uh, to to fix the depth chart in the front court. So welcome back, Mitch. We're happy to have you. Yay, Mitch! And uh, Mitch is probable for tomorrow night's game against the Washington Wizards. So. He did. I think we mentioned it earlier, but he he looked like he twisted his ankle or something uh, towards the end of the the last Sixers game. But he is probable. Good. And so this next week, the Knicks are going to be playing. Um, while we're at it, so we don't forget, let's just do the. We'll just get the uh, predictions out of the way. We got the Wizards, the Wizards, and the Bucks. I mean, that sounds like a two-in-one week to me. It, it's got to be a two-in-one week, right? Like, we have to win those two Wizards games. And if we lose one of the Wizards games, we have to beat the Bucks. It's got to yeah, be a two-in-one uh, week. Two-one. Make, make, uni- make it unanimous, Tom. New pod rule. I don't see how this could finish in any other way than a two-in-one record for the week. So, yes, two-in-one, lock it in. Dang. Final answer. Splat. Now moving on to the trade deadline. What is everybody thinking? Are we are we selling? Are we buying? I think we can only ask BBD, who's the guy who breaks news now. BBD, what do you think? So the chatter I'm hearing uh, <laughs> out in out in out in, out in the streets. Um, yeah. Look, guys, I got nothing, nothing else right now. I, I, I blew my load on the only, on the only tip I had. Um, That's a phrase. So for now, <laughs> so for now, it's quiet. I like, I like to see the Knicks do something because it's more fun that way. But also, if they like did nothing, I think I'd be kind of fine with that. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think I'd be fine with that. Uh, they do have all of that. I think they still have all of that cap space. I don't know if they, they lost any of it with the Derrick Rose deal. So. Maybe to the extent they could do something with that and maybe turn that into a second-round pick or some sort of asset, that'd be fine. Like, I don't need them to go out and get a player. Uh, I mean, I know on Twitter the big name that they're throwing out is Lonzo Ball, which is a name that uh, I think Big Baby David made it, might have mentioned very early in the season as someone they were interested in. How do you guys that, feel about that, oh, Lonzo Ball? That is the uh, the one name I heard very, very early in the season because – it's like not a secret he doesn't really want to be in New Orleans. So the the Knicks for a while have been a team that I think he's willing to go to, which adds up with the ball branding. Um, and he also happens to be kind of the one guy I've heard rumors about that would make me like excited because I I'm still a pretty big Lonzo Ball fan. So I'm I'm for it probably. I think he fills a role that the Knicks need filled, which is Alfred Alfred Payton will eventually be back, and if he's our starting point guard, I don't know how excited we will be. But if we fill Alfred Payton's role with Lonzo Ball and you have Derrick Rose as the backup, I think that's a a solid situation from the point guard position. And it just... I think if they want to get him... Everything depends on what the package is. Of course, um, like I'm not dying to send multiple picks, but that's also probably what it costs. And the the alternative is 
overpaying him in restricted free agency this summer, and then you don't have as much cap space to do other stuff. So just as far as on-court fit, he feels like he fills a need for what else the Knicks have moving forward. So it'd be cool for me. Yeah, no, I think he would be a good fit. Um, I like that he can kind of play on the ball or off the ball. I think that versatility is nice. Um, I mean, I I don't watch a ton of Pelicans games, but I do know that Zion Williamson has kind of been cast more as a as a primary initiator. Um, he's been doing a lot of pick and roll ball handling over there, and that's forced Lonzo off the ball. And I mean, he's jacking eight threes a game. Shooting thirty eight and a half percent on those, like that's a that's really a good. very high. It's a very high volume. Um, you know, I, I just i I do like what what he brings defensively as well. It is. I think the Alfred compa- uh, Payton comparison is a good one. It's just he's a much better shooter and a high volume shooter who forces the defense to to respect them a little bit. So, yeah, it, it does come down to what the the cost would be to bring him in. BBD, you mentioned the the possibility of overpaying him in free agency. And I wonder if like, say they bring him in for the rest of the season, would they then have to, would you run into those same issues though? Like you still have to overpay him in in restricted free agency there. I think it's still possible. I don't fully know everything, but but at least then you don't have to overpay so much that like the Pelicans wouldn't match. You have the right to match. Got yeah, in that okay. in that situation, the the ball's in the Knicks court, and there has been chatter that you know he has interest in playing with the Knicks. Now we've heard that before, so how much we believe that, I don't know. But if he has interest in playing with the Knicks and he comes to the Knicks, then it's them bidding against themselves rather than than them saying how much are the Pelicans willing to pay. Just imagine all the puns with a a ball quickly backcourt. It'd be mm. tough to be tough to even talk. <laughs> right, yeah, he said the ball's on the Knicks court and it's like that's you didn't even mean to do it, but yeah. yeah it happens all the time. And it, hey, if we can get that if if he fixes Obi and we have quickly ball and Toppin. Oh boy. Oh boy. boy. It, it's it's kind of weird that Lonzo Ball for his career has averaged one free throw attempt per game in 30 minutes 32 minutes on average per game. Like that's that is a crazy low number. He doesn't even get to the line once a game. Like, wow, yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked by that. Like, he's just a big body. He's six six. He's long. I mean, you, you think of him kind of getting out in transition. I guess he just doesn't really get to the rim much, or he's he's extremely pass first, but not shy about shooting from three. It, it's just, I, yeah, like I said, I don't watch a ton of Lonzo Ball tape, but um, just looking at his numbers, it's that was pretty startling. Um, but you know his assist numbers are are solid. They're they're, they're at the you know five point six per game right now. I think I feel like that's kind of like in the Alfred Payton territory, and it, he wouldn't be so ball dominant where it would take the ball out of Julius Randle's hands. Like he could still kind of be that point forward with Lonzo Ball next to him. So I do like the fit there. All right, sign him up. Well, the other guy that that people have been talking about is Victor Oladipo, who I feel like has been kind of bad. In Houston, but again, that's a very bizarre situation. So, what do you guys what do you guys think about Oladipo? Not interested. I'll take him if he's free. Or, or I'll throw. I'll give you a second round pick for Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at. If they can if they can essentially have him 
for free yeah sure why not but uh i, don't, I feel like he doesn't fully fit the rest of the roster and it's like all right you, then you're getting him for the right to be able to overpay him in free agency it's like i'm i'm not dying to do that either but i guess if it does give you the leg up i'm really not dying to have him even if it's cheap just because i think he is another high usage guy who is kind of redundant with rj barrett who is kind of where all of my hopes and dreams lie so Mm. i don't want him taking anything away from rj barrett and there's already you know rj and julius randall are high usage and then to the extent you have a point guard running the show Derek rose alfred payton they're also high usage you throw in victor oladipo like what position is he even going to play i don't know yeah, he hasn't he hasn't found his shooting again, like at all since that since that good year. It's uh, he's in, he's like I like him personally. Um, it's like no shade, but I just don't need him on, on the Knicks. I'll agree with that. Like I have nothing against Victor Oladipo as a player, and if the situation was different on the Knicks roster, I might find a spot for him. I just I think he's too overlapping with what RJ Barrett is trying to do. If if the Knicks were in the spot they were in a year ago, I think I'd be much more open to it and letting us figure out if he if he can be good and healthy again. But it but the Knicks are finally like kind of building something and he doesn't fit around those pieces. So what would we have to give up? It sounds like Lonzo Ball is kind of the consensus dream option here right like i mean george hill doesn't really do anything for anybody i'd imagine he's just too old at this point i've just heard his name kind of thrown around just doesn't Um, move the needle i mean rookie ricky rubio would he be someone that'd be worth looking at um i mean he's like another non-shooter kind of like alfred payton am i making up that he kind of shoots now nah he's he's still bad Still bad. bad, still bad. Um, well, last year in Phoenix, he he did shoot thirty six percent on over on nearly three and a half attempts per game. So it looked like it was getting better, and this year it's been thirty two percent from three. So I mean, you, you uh, look at the Knicks' needs, not. and it's like point guard is kind of the only position that we're all sort of targeting at this point. Um, at, at a starter level, at a starter level, and beyond Lonzo Ball, I, I just don't know if there are that many strong options like you you don't want the other guy there in new orleans you don't want eric bledsoe at all i don't think yeah. um, again if it if it was essentially just for us taking them taking him off their hands off their hands sh- sure i think he he would fit fine but i'm not i'm certainly i'm not asking to give up anything for him and i don't think they're trying to just give him away so i think and i think the other the other guy that i've heard very light chatter on uh is evan fournier and yeah. Evan Fournier and Terrence Ross, yeah, the two the two magic guys I've heard as well. Yeah, I mean uh, I'm the, a Terrence I'm a Terrence Ross guy. You guys know that just by looking at me. For yeah, what, you love him. The heat check <laughs> nature of him. For what yeah. it's worth, not to not to sources you guys, uh, but circling back on Old Depot before we do a full magic guys thing. What I what I was told like the second he went to to Houston from the guy who who gave me the Harden trade was. Um, they had no intention of keeping him. They're shopping him pretty aggressively and have been 
basically from the second they got him. I don't understand why they did that and didn't just like keep Karis LeVert. Because they, they had that choice. But uh but yeah, so they're trying to move him. Yeah, maybe they thought they could rehabilitate his value a little bit because you know Victor Oladipo at his peak was worth a lot more than Karis LeVert ever was. I mean, um, Victor Oladipo is averaging twenty five and twenty one five and five with the Rockets. I mean, he's posting the, stats. They're in the middle of a of a twenty game losing streak. Yeah, I was about to say but, they've lost twenty in a row. So, but is I it, mean, you're saying twenty two zero, two zero losing streak. Oh my God. But they were eleven post- and ten. He's posting stats though. Eighteen of those losses were without Christian Wood, but then they played the Pistons and the Thunder since then, which is like the two teams you would want to beat, maybe, other than like the Timberwolves. And they still failed, so sad. So yeah, get Victor in here. So if you want, <laughs> he's not really helping him win games. I think at this point, yeah, I think it's funny. I said Rubio. We're talking about Oladipo. He's like the two worst teams in the NBA were trying to poach their starting point guards from it. That doesn't say much, but Alfred Payton does it. But well, I mean, they were four. Well, let me see these numbers. I mean, uh, Oladipo has also kind of made it no secret. He would not mind being in New York either. Again, we've heard that a million times, but, and that doesn't really do anything for me as far as trading for him. Um, and frankly, for signing him either, but, um, but he is a guy who's been pretty vocally open about wanting to be here, which is something. All right. I mean, the the trade deadline is Thursday, so it's coming up on us quickly. Yeah. Might I, might I do a second episode this week? What? What? If we if we, we make a big something. deal, yeah. I'm we actually pu- if we even publish this one. Oh my god, I'm busy that day. I just realized. Oh, that's so annoying. Ugh. I wish I could, but... Oh. All right. So much fun stuff going on. Should we even... Should we even mention Andre Drummond? Because I feel like people would talk about him, but it just doesn't seem like a thing that would make sense. Well, Bears wide receiver Allen Robinson already said he's going to the Nets, so... Uh, There you go. Is that your source? That was... no, but that was also <laughs> so long ago. It's like, so is that not happening, or are they buying him out, or what? But yeah, I mean, Knicks, please don't. Because, but I the guess Knicks, it's possible. But why? Because the Knicks have Mitchell Robinson. They have uh, Nerlens Noel. They have Taj Gibson, who's been playing surprisingly well. Like, where does Andre Drummond fit into that? I mean, Drummond is a much better passer than Noel or Mitch, but he's, I mean, he's just a worse rim protector than, than both of them. He's a, he's a great rebounder, but I don't, I have no desire for, he doesn't move the needle for me at all. I, yeah. I don't, I don't care. Like I, I'd rather have Mitch, rather have Mitch's upside. I like his um, switchability on defense. The Knicks were switching a lot on defense, by the way, against the 76ers. Like they kind of have abandoned their, previous drop coverage and we're just switching on everything it was pretty interesting to see i'm curious to see if uh if thibodeau keeps that defensive scheme that was just a little um detour there but yeah drummond i want i really want nothing to do with i'm I'm down to talk some magic guys though because um 
like I said, Terrence Ross and, and as you mentioned, Evan Fournier are two guys who have been getting a lot of chatter and, and might even make sense. So, Greg, do you think Terrence Ross would be a good Nick? I mean, Terrence Ross is just a spark plug off the bench. So, I mean, when you got – it's like when, when we had this second lineup this past week where it was just five people you you wouldn't want to give the ball to in the second lineup. Um, he's the guy who you could just throw out there and just give him the ball every single time and stuff would happen. Yeah. I think he's he scored 51 points one time on the on the Raptors. I like to think of him as the as the worst player to ever score 50 points. <laughs> <laughs> I and think I, Tony I, Tony Delk might have something to say about that, but and Mo that, Williams. I agree very much with what Greg just said. I think Mo Williams made an All-Star team. Uh, that might have been well at the, the time Le- of his fifty-point game. Look up Tony Delk. <laughs> Le- LeBron might have made Mo Williams an All-Star once, um, but Greg's point is right that uh, having him as a scorer off the bench really frees up some flexibility because I think we've talked about internally how the reason that quickly hasn't been starting is because they need someone to score off the bench and he's the he's the guy to do it because in the I don't know if it was the Nets game last week where um, they sent out that lineup that Greg was referring to of Frank, Obi, uh, Burks, Taj Gibson, and was it Kevin Knox? I don't know who it was, but it was a lineup where no one could score. And if you have Terrence Ross on your team, you can put quickly in that starter's role to the extent that you don't have a starter other than Alfred Payton. And you could have a guy who can score the bucket, score buckets coming off the bench, and that frees up some flex- flexibility, and I like it. All right, so like, what what do you give up for someone like Terrence Ross? Like, what's the? I just wonder if there'd be any overlap in what the Magic would be willing to receive and what the Knicks would be willing to give. Like, who do you put on the table to get Terrence Ross? Do you do you make Kevin Knox available? Um, I I don't know. Like, what do you guys think? I mean, I've assume Kevin Knox is available just based on the fact like if you're not going to use him then you might as well use him to trade I don't know yeah Yeah, and I'm I like that might be the extent of what I'd be willing to give up like I have I think more faith in uh, Kevin Knox than probably the Knicks do at this point Um, just looking up Terrence Ross's contract he's got this year and then two more years at twelve point five million and eleven point five million. So, I mean, declining. It's, yeah. Yeah. So he's he's still under contract. I'm. He's a he's a scorer off the bench. Like, that's it's not a terrible not a terrible deal for that guy. And I'm I'm generally not that willing to give up too much at the trade deadline just because I'm we're still got a lot of guys who are on one year contracts and we still need to kind of build our team from, from where we're at now. Um, but Kevin Knox, sure. So if it's like Kevin Knox and uh, I don't know, do do you think the magic actually take that? I I doubt it. Right. I mean, they probably want at least maybe even a couple second rounders for him. Um, I'm the guy, I'm the guy who's really low on second round picks and doesn't really care. So sure. Like maybe, maybe we'll keep Detroit's, which is basically a first round pick at this point, but, Give him, give him some other second round picks. Yeah, some future and, and, second, sure. We'll throw in Austin Rivers. 
Yeah, done. Open. Deal. That's it. I'll throw an Obi Toppin. <laughs> <laughs> do, they, do they have some weird contract or something they can send back? And then give them Austin Rivers as a cheap deal and then don't have to give a second. I don't, second round pick isn't worth this much effort to try to keep. I just think it's funny that watching Obi Top and we're like, you know, Kevin Knox wasn't that bad. I mean, the, the main difference there is Kevin Knox was like 18 when he came in the <laughs> league. Right. And just you can kind of talk yourself into his development and growth yeah. and like literal physical growth. He's going to get bigger and stronger. I mean, Obi Toppin's he is what he is at this point. Like there's, there's no, there's no real path for physical growth. And then he just has to like learn the game and yeah, Kevin Knox wasn't so bad. I mean, Kevin Knox was shooting 40, 40% from three this season. So he actually wasn't that bad. And Obi Toppin is two years older than Kevin Knox. So. And the other, in two two years, will Kevin Knox be as good as Obi Toppin is now? That's what you're asking. That's who knows, man. If he gets a little worse every year, he will be as good as Obi Toppin is right now. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) to answer BBD's questions, there's not really any uh, weird contract stuff going on in Orlando. They do have a lot of injured guys, so I don't know what they want to do with that. They have uh, Jonathan Isaac's injured. Markel Fultz is injured. Michael Carter Williams is injured. Cole Anthony is injured. And we saw Aaron Gordon requested a trade publicly. I, th- I mean, I don't know if it's yeah, through Tom, him. That's what I was. That's what I was leading to, and Tom just cut right in and took away the headline. I could see Thanks. it in your face. I just wanted to steal that thunder. All right. Well, that's all I got then. There was a time where I would have wanted Aaron Gordon on the Knicks, but that was before Julius Randle's emergence because I kind of saw him. You know, like him at his best is sort of what we're seeing from Randall. I think he can be that that you know power forward who you can run the offense through a little bit. He can run. You know, he's a great passer from the elbows. He can hit some mid range shots, but uh, Randall has kind of surpassed all <laughs> expectations there, yeah. and there's no longer even any semblance of a need for for Gordon anymore. Yeah, and I think that Aaron Gordon is a player that we would have wanted Obi Toppin to turn into at some point. Um, but like we've talked about, this team is not the fit for that. Yeah, uh, honestly, I wouldn't mind if Obi Toppin requested a trade. Uh, <laughs> this <laughs> pod might just turn full yeah, against Obi. I feel bad for it, but um, Obi Toppin's also only two years younger than Aaron Gordon, so... Like, is that true? Aaron yeah, Gordon's 25. I just Googled it. Toppin's 23. Oh, no. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like Gordon has been around for so long. He has. I, th- I think when he was 23, he probably won the dunk, dunk contest. Toppin came in second. Oh, Toppin's kind of following in those footsteps. He was close. Yeah. Did Gordon ever win the dunk contest? I think he just lost twice. I thought yeah, he just lost. He lost both of them. I thought he won Zach one Levine. of them. Yeah, but I thought I thought he won one of them, and it was like a Frazier Ali thing going on. No, he lost both of them. Well, then never mind. He didn't. Both of them came in second. Obi is is basically going to be Aaron Gordon. You heard it here. 
done. I mean, before before we lose sight of what's important, we gotta what's get... important, we're we're running a little long. Maybe I don't know. We we talked. We're running long. like we we ran the right amount of time to talk about the Knicks. So should we talk about what else is on, or just call it? No, we. I mean, we have to add on with everybody's favorite sub podcast. What else is on? So I, I guess I'll, I'll jump out. I think we've all been watching uh, March Madness, so that's that's a given. Uh, the other two things I've I watched this last week, week or two, was um, you guys seen the one on Netflix? It's been in the like top ten watched. So I watched it and I hated it. That's is it a television program? Is it a movie? What is it's, it's a documentary? What is it? It's a it's a television program. Um, well, I, it's a TV show with the the whole premise of it is they do some science and they find out a way to match every bun with their perfect companion, and then like it's all a lot of drama and stuff happening with the uh, the company that developed this thing. And it was just there was just so many plot holes in it that it just made me furious. But I got too deep into it, and my whole thing is like if I get that deep, I have to finish it. Mm-hmm. And so I did, and it didn't help. How many episodes were there? There's only eight, and I think they're 45 minutes each. So, like, that's that. That was my takeaway. If you guys see it on Netflix and you're like, maybe I should watch this, I don't think you should. That's that was my takeaway. And my other thing that I enjoyed watching was um, I watched the Zack Snyder cut of the Justice League, which was very good. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard about it. Have you seen this? Have you heard about it? Heard about um, it. I'm familiar with it. I have not watched. The, I didn't watch the original movie, so I don't know how this. I mean, I heard the Snyder cut was over four hours long. That yeah, that was a thing that happened because I watched it after the UConn game ended on uh, what was it Saturday, and I was like, All right, I'll watch this and then go to sleep afterwards. And then like at twelve thirty a.m., I was like, This doesn't seem like it's close to ending. And I like looked at it. And it's like, Oh, there's another like two hours left. Mm-hmm. You're so almost probably, halfway there. Yeah, That's probably too long. Probably go to sleep. No, but I I mean I watched it and it was it was very good. I'm I'm I like I'm a superhero movie guy. I was a big fan of all the Marvel movies. Um I saw the original um Justice League and like it made no sense. Like nothing was explained, like there was no continuity, like you had no idea who these people were or like the main bad guy I had no idea what he was doing or why. Um and they filled in all of those holes to in this one, which is just a completely different movie and kind of varies uh, a few things that happen in the DC cinematic universe. But so, it, was very, it was very good, so if you're into superhero movies, highly recommend it. Who is Zack Snyder? And where... So the, he's, the, I, he's a director. He's yeah, a filmmaker, right? I'll give you the, the background that I saw, and someone can tweet at me if you want to and tell me if I'm wrong, is that... Zack Snyder did the original movie and it was way too long for the studio and they're like, you have to cut this down. And like he begrudgingly did that and he cut it down to like three hours and they're like, no, you have to keep going. And so he cut it down to two and a half hours and they kept on telling him to cut it down. And eventually, like, I think some something happened in his personal life and he had to like step away and he's just like, whatever, do whatever you want. And someone else took over and basically rewrote and reshot the entire movie. And then they put it out, and it was trash. And uh, so people were all like, what the heck? 
And then there was some buzz online about people who were like, oh, like Zack Snyder, this isn't what Zack Snyder wanted. And like, he's a big time director who knows what he's doing. And uh, let's hopefully get a director's cut. And there was enough buzz online where eventually uh, the studio handed him a few million dollars to to make his movie and put it on HBO. And so that's what yeah, happened. Yeah, it was like it was like kind of the the fanboys created a hashtag that was released the Snyder cut and got and it actually worked. It'd be like if if Game of Thrones fans actually changed the ending to Game of Thrones because they were so upset about how it ended with Bran the Broken. No spoiler alert, but mm. <laughs> but good lord, I mean it was a terrible ending to a, an, an incredible program. I don't know. So yeah, it'd be it'd be comparable to that changing game of thrones because people online were upset yeah but who yeah, i remember who watching really game a of better story <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I remember watching game of thrones and being like i hope he i hope he hope he takes the throne yeah. <laughs> the guy who doesn't talk the guy who's never said a single interesting thing he was literally <laughs> not in an entire season they forgot be, about him for a full be, season because there was he was not interesting in what was going on. But he was the most he had the most compelling story. Whatever, I'm over it. What else is on for you guys? Um, I been watching March Madness as you mentioned annually. I take off the first day of the tournament, so I did that. Um, also, I've been picking up, picking back up on on BoJack Horseman and New Girl. To fill some of my time, good good, good shows. I've mm-hmm. both seen both of those, and most importantly, uh, or before I get to most importantly, Nate Bargatze's got a new new special out on on Netflix. I'm a big fan of his, so I checked that out. It was pretty good. I was satisfied with my my viewing pleasure. And then most importantly, Superstore is series finale is this Thursday night. I'm all caught up. I might watch Dude. the. I probably won't watch it live, but I'll watch it on Friday. Oh. I've got. Yeah, I, mean, I I could jump in there just real quick because the show. What else is on for me is Superstore. I'm. I just started it last week, season one, episode one. I believe last time we spoke, that's all I'd seen. I'm now almost done with season one. Um, I think I'm on the the penultimate episode of season one, and I'm really digging it. It's really funny. Um. I mentioned before, like they really nailed those characters right from the start, and they've just continued building on them. Um, you know, for anyone who's seen the show, I'm at the part where like Dina has, uh, like, she's kind of the quirky. She's basically Dwight Schrute or Kramer. She's like the crazy character of the show. Um, yes. I'd say Dwight. Dwight's probably the better comparison. She's basically the superstore's Dwight, and she has procre- professed her feelings towards. Um, Ben Feldman's <laughs> character Jonah, Jonah. and Jonah's mm-hmm. kind of like trying to trying to navigate Dina's feelings. Dina has stepped down from her super vo- supervising role so that she could be with Jonah, and it's very uncomfortable for me to watch, but it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun. So yeah, I'm I'm creeping up on that season one finale, and I don't think I'll catch up before the series finale, um, or even the yeah what what Greg had mentioned before, but. Um, I plan to get there eventually. Good show. Good show. BBD, what else is on? Good show. I haven't seen the last like five episodes, so maybe maybe that's what I'll do between now and then uh, so I can see the finale close to in real time. Uh, other than that, finished Last Chance You Basketball. It was a good, good documentary series. 
and I finished um, the morning show, Gended Strong. So I was looking for the next thing to do, and I think finishing off Superstore is probably that'll take up a couple days. So probably the next thing I'll do. Done. Perfect. Done. Sword done. Bang. I think that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. You could follow us on Instagram at Talking Nicks. Yeah. And you could leave a review if you feel so inclined. If you listen this far, might as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And it, we're still waiting for someone to tweet at us and tell us what else is on. We would really appreciate it. But go next. Next tape. <laughs>